Welcome to the Coach's Nook, your weekly boost of coaching caffeine. I'm Anna Maria. I'm Vicenta. We are two certified professional coaches who are passionate about helping people move towards the life that they want to lead. Every episode, we'll be sharing practical tools and techniques that are easy enough to implement right away so you can experience the impact of coaching for yourself. Grab your favorite drink and join us for the conversation. Our episode today is on self-image. What is self-image? Self-image is multidimensional and it starts with our thoughts. Vicenta and I will be discussing this topic in detail, and we will provide a couple of tools you can use to improve your self-image. The Mountain State Centers for Independent Living describe self-image as the following. Self-image is how you perceive yourself. It is a number of self-impressions that have built up over time. These self-images can be very positive, giving a person confidence in their thoughts and actions, or negative, making a person doubtful of their capabilities and ideas. This is so powerful because it is during our childhood that our thoughts about ourselves are developed. As you said, Anna Maria, either positively or negatively. The impressions that are embedded in our subconscious come from our childhood experiences in the family, school, and society at large. When we look at ourselves, we look at life through the lens of those experiences. These experiences will ultimately shape the way we go through life and how we see the world. That really resonates with me, Vicenta. Through our coach training workshops and additional courses that we have taken, This realization has come to life for me, meaning our childhood experiences have a huge impact on our lives as adults. And more importantly, we can change the neural pathways in our brain to form new thoughts and habits so that we are not as affected by negative self-talk or our inner critic. Yes, research has shown that our self-image becomes more imprinted in our conscious and subconscious minds when our experiences are impacted by one, someone in authority, such as a parent or teacher, two, the intensity of the experience and message. For example, if a parent says to a child, you'll never be good at math. And three, repetition. If a child gets the same message over and over again, they will come to believe that it's true, even if it's not. That is so true. And I can sadly picture that happening. Mm. At this time, we'd like to speak about the elements and dimensions of self-image that was proposed by Suzanne Altman, a teaching and learning specialist at Varsity College in South Africa. The three elements are, one, the way a person perceives or thinks of him or herself. Two, 
the way a person interprets others' perceptions or what he thinks others think of him or herself. And three, the way a person would like to be their ideal self. I would like to address element number one, which is the way a person perceives or thinks of himself or herself. Let's backtrack a little. As children, the impact of words and emotions are especially strong. Our childhood minds are like sponges and they take everything in unfiltered. Actually, research shows that our subconscious mind takes unfiltered information and makes it fact all the time. This brings to my mind our growth mindset and fixed mindset episode. When speaking to children, our language and our attitude is so important. For example, when we tell a child, you're not good at math, we are imprinting neural pathways in that child's mind that tells them they are no good at math. That's not necessarily true. They may need some extra help or maybe another way of learning that particular math question or maybe even some extra time. But when a parent or teacher tells a child they're just not good at math, that child will internalize that self-image of failure at math. As a parent and a grandparent, this resonates strongly with me. A child's self-image can be developed and ingrained in their mind by what we say or don't say or by what we do or don't do. Those informative years prior to a child going to school are ever so important to the future of the child's happiness and success. Yes. So we can go through life thinking that we are a certain way because someone told us, or that's what we experienced as a child. As an adult, and here's the good news, we have the capability to change our thoughts and become who we want to be, and not just that, but become who we are really meant to be, our authentic selves. For me, the way I perceive or think of myself has changed, oh, I would say about 180 degrees for some years now, and most especially since our coach training, because it's made me so aware of how my thoughts impact my behavior. For years, I've been saying that I'm not good with computers, but lately, thanks to my coach training, and thanks to you, Anna Maria, who is constantly inspiring me, I've been telling myself that I'm an aspiring IT person, and my brain has gone to work looking for evidence to confirm that. And you know what? I've been so much better and more relaxed with computer issues than I have been all my life. Can you believe it? Yeah, I can. Because when we first started working with the podcast technology, you were pulling out your hair as we we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And the last few months, you've gotten a lot better. Thank you. I'm so glad you noticed. Absolutely. Your energy is so different when we're troubleshooting. Yeah. It's thanks to that growth mindset. I'm much more comfortable in saying that I'm progressing rather than giving up at the first sign of trouble. Let's hear it for having a growth mindset. Yeah. <laughs> now back to the elements. 
I would like to expand on element number two, the way a person interprets others' perceptions or what he or she thinks others think of them. This is very true for me and I am working on this constantly. I'm getting better at not letting what others think of me bother me. However, it still presents itself. I often consciously remind myself that what others think of me is not my business. This helps me refocus and not let it bother me as much as it did. For instance, I am not good at sports and I refuse to play on an organized team sport. The reason is that it brings me back to the high school gym class when we were wearing those one piece outfits. Ours was green, St. Patrick's leprechaun green. Oh my. Yeah, quite the fashion statement. <laughs> and we were forced to play volleyball or basketball. And how it worked is my fellow students chose their teams. I was always the last one chosen reinforcing the thought and feeling that I was not good at sports. Wow, that's gotta hurt. It's memories like these that impact even now how you view sports. Definitely. My husband excels at sport. When they say opposites attract, they certainly do. <laughs> and he loves and has played them all his life. When we first met, he was playing in a tennis league where couples played together. We were grouped by level of ability. Naturally, he was in group one, the most talented, and I was in group four, the least talented, let us say. I had no issue with that. However, when we started playing our games, the memory of my high school was so vivid. The tennis game and the purpose of the league was to be recreational and it turned out to be very competitive and I did not feel comfortable playing. I tried my best, however, I was miserable. I played tennis in high school and I enjoyed it as a leisure sport with my friends. I could not wait for the season to be over. I told my husband he could continue to play I appreciated him for wanting to include me. However, competitive sports is not for me. I should not feel inferior because athleticism is not my thing. Yes, and that's completely understandable. If you're not into sports, then why play? However, Anna Maria, yeah. I would challenge you. Yes, I would challenge you a little in that if you do like sports, and you don't think that you're good enough, I would challenge you to find a place where you can play tennis just for fun without making it competitive. Actually, it's funny you should say that. My husband and I were at the Briars Resort and Spa that had tennis courts. Mm -hmm. I asked my husband to play a game and to please dial back his competitive nature and just have fun because I really wanted to play with him. We managed to play a leisurely, non-competitive tennis game. And we both loved it. Oh, that's so lovely. Okay, so let's continue on with the third element, which is the way a person would like to be, his or her ideal self. I can really relate to this one. Like many people, I'm always looking to improve myself. 
And I think that's why coaching attracted me so much because I would connect with people who wanted to improve their lives as well. So one of the things that's important when a person wants to be their ideal self is reflect. Who am I? Who do I want to be? And here is a useful tool to set yourself up to be your ideal self. Make a decision, commit to it, and start visualizing being the person that you want to be. Get emotionally involved in the process and do this on a regular basis because if you do it on a regular basis, then it will sink into your subconscious and eventually you will become that person. I have a story of when my daughter was born. I took one look at her and fell in love, of course. And I decided and was determined to be the best mother I could be for her. And by doing that, I made decisions that reflected what I thought a good mother would do. I started becoming the mother I wanted to be. And it put me on a path towards an ongoing, wonderful mother-daughter relationship that I have to this day. Whenever I needed to take action as Sarah was growing up, I visualized how that would feel 10 years away or 20 years away because I wanted to be consistent with that ideal image. I asked myself, would this action or decision be congruent with the result I wanted in 10, 20, 30 years from then? And so I took it upon myself to take parenting courses and read books and join mother's groups and so on in order to be my ideal self as a mother. That helped me tremendously. Now, I am not a perfect mother. I was not a perfect mother when my daughter was growing up and I made plenty of mistakes. But what I really wanted was to have a really great relationship with my daughter growing up. And I think we do have that relationship and I hope that we continue to evolve our relationship and help each other and grow as people. That is a very beautiful and emotional story and I can feel your commitment and passion. Thank you. Welcome. I can relate as a mom. I wanted to be able to give my sons the roots they needed to always be able to rise up after challenges and setbacks. I provided them with many examples throughout my life of how I did this. They actually have mentioned to me, besides my love and support, this was one of the greatest lessons I taught them. That is so beautiful, Anna Maria. I think one of the most treasured relationships is the relationship between a mother and her child. As they said, it's a love like no other. Yes. Suzanne Altman proposed the following six dimensions of self-image. As individuals, these dimensions have a different weighting for each of us. One, physical dimension, how a person evaluates his or her appearance. Two, psychological dimension, how a person evaluates his or her personality. Three, intellectual dimension, how a person evaluates his or her intelligence. Four, skills dimension, how a person evaluates his or her social and technical skills. Five, moral dimension, 
how a person evaluates his or her values and principles. Six, sexual dimension, how a person feels he or she fits into society's masculine, feminine norms. These elements and dimensions offer a framework through which to view self-image. But remember, it's only a framework and it's one possible way of thinking about self-image that we both resonate with. Yes. So here are some ways to improve our self-image. I mentioned earlier, one way to improve our self-image is to decide and commit to who we want to be and then visualize and get emotionally involved in that mental picture. And that requires self-assessment. It's important to know where you are, where you are going, and taking one step towards your goal of self-improvement. Another way is to realize that you are not your failure, nor are you your success, but that you are a child of God and that you have experienced both failures and successes in your life. A third way is to pick a person you admire. Pick one or two positive characteristics that the person exhibits and emulate and incorporate those traits into your life. You'll really notice the difference. Our next episode will be on dealing with loss. We will end with a quote from an unknown author. Regardless of how anyone else feels about me, I am going to be happy and completely love myself today. Thank you so much for listening to The Coach's Nook with me, Anna Maria. And me, Vicenta. If you liked what you heard, please hit subscribe and share it with your family and friends. And if you want more information or to schedule a private coaching session with either one of us, please check the show notes on how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, never lose sight of where you want to be, which leads me to a quote from an unknown author that we both love. Hold the vision, trust the process. Until next time.